Soccer Tonight, ESPN LA 710. We roll on for the next hour here, breaking down and working up everything that is the World Cup as we get ready for the final eight. We're going to know who's in the semifinals of the World Cup in a matter of hours, essentially, here in uh, Russia there. You've got Uruguay taking on France. That's coming up tomorrow morning. That's a 7 a.m. local time kickoff in Los Angeles. And then Brazil, Belgium, Really the marquee matchup, I think. Although Uruguay-France is incredible, too. Brazil-Belgium, that is going to be an absolute tug-of-war there at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Coming up on Saturday, it's Sweden taking on England, then Russia and Croatia. So we'll know. I mean, look, the beauty of the World Cup is this. This thing has been absolutely helter-skelter in terms of trying to figure out who's doing what, right? I do want to go back to the for the last two we didn't get a chance to talk about them on soccer tonight here on ESPN LA 710 because we had the uh, LAFC game on Tuesday Sweden took on Switzerland my Switzerland team boy those that was like a clash of just two teams that look exactly alike the way they play Sweden got the goal on the deflected shot they deserved it they played better Switzerland goes home a little bit of a you know a bit of a Sad emoji for me there. Colombia and England battled to a 1-1 draw with Colombia scoring really late in regulation there and then England winning on penalties. Jordan Pickford doing a great job. England move on to the quarterfinals. More importantly, they finally just absolutely absolve themselves from all this mess of PKs. I never want to hear about England and PKs again. That got so tiring even from English fans. It's like enough. Get over it, okay? I know you've suffered a lot of heartbreak there. I'm just glad we don't have to hear about it anymore. And uh, one thing I want to mention about Colombia. You know if you've listened to Soccer Weekly, the show I just finished up here, my weekly soccer show throughout the year here, by the way. If you're enjoying soccer tonight, join us each week, uh, even after the World Cup, for Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710. You can also find it on a podcast. But you know me. You know I love Carlos Torres, good buddy of mine. He's been on the show as a, as a co-host sitting in a few times. He used to be my co-host and uh, or host uh, the, uh, three for a win with me, and I love the dude. He's one of my dearest friends. He's uh, loves Colombia from Colombia, and he's rooting for Colombia. I, I got to say it anyway. It was one of the most disgraceful performances I've ever seen in the World Cup, and it had nothing to do with their play. It was their attitude, and just oh gosh, I know Mark Geiger has his issues. The MLS referee, right? We all know Mark Geiger. I thought that was a disgraceful performance by Colombia, the way they handled that, you know, dealing with the referee. Yeah, you can get frustrated. You can do. They were just absolutely petulant children in that game. And, you know, everybody says, well, Geiger's got to take control. He was doing everything he could not to give them yellows upon yellow, maybe even a red card or two to, for Colombia, trying to settle them down. They just refused to hear it. And it was ridiculous after a while. And I found myself rooting against Colombia, who I've always loved because of Carlos. Like I said, dear friend of mine, he's probably going to hate me for saying this, but we'll get over it. It's football. 877-710-ESPN if you want to talk about it. I thought Colombia's, you know, look, you can argue with referees. Referees have tough games. Maybe they don't even have. I didn't think it was all Mark Geiger's fault. I thought this was just petulant children. And I thought it took Colombia out of the game for too long, mentally. They lost their way. They were better than England on in terms of talent. I really believe that. Now, you can argue Harry I get it. England has some great players, too. I believe Colombia is a better team, now, even without Hamas. And they lost their way mentally because they would not shut up 
and stopped relying on complaining about the referee every time. It was disgraceful. 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Does that ever happen to you when you're watching a game when you don't really have a rooting interest and you all of a sudden you start to find yourself rooting against a team for these kind of reasons? You can also hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Uh, I got uh, at Relegated tweets in. Josh, love Josh. Emil Forsberg, one of the first 11 in this World Cup. Sweden is sleepy, though, right? To skip over, Dave. I don't know that Emil Forsberg's played that great, Josh. I'll be honest with you. I've seen him play better. Can I put it to you that way? Let me just put it to you that way. I've seen him play better. And, uh, yeah, you can hit me up on Twitter if you disagree, at uh, Talk Soccer if you want to explain yourself. I, I don't think Forsberg has had that dynamite of a World Cup, but I do think Sweden is just kind of playing the way they want to play, and they are tough to beat. They're Switzerland. Like I said, those two teams are tough to beat. They're not the greatest in terms of talent. They do have some good individual players. Forsberg's one of them. I think he needs to play better if they're going to go farther in this tournament. Also had an end uh, tweet in at Talk Soccer. Brazil and Uruguay for the semis. Well, I screwed up on Uruguay. I thought they were slightly overrated coming into the tournament. I thought they'd get into the round of 16, and then I, I, I suspected they would get beat. But the reason I said that, in fairness, I thought Uruguay was going to win Group A like they did. I thought Spain was going to come in second in Group B. And then Portugal was going to win Group Group B. That would have set up an Uruguay-Spain matchup, which I thought in my bracket. And I believed Spain was going to wear down Uruguay with that passing game and kind of just barely beat them. But that's where I went wrong, and uh, that's that's where I got it wrong. So Uruguay has definitely outperformed what I thought now in the round of eight, and they could go farther. Absolutely, they are playing some tremendous team football. Question mark there is Cavani, right? If Edinson Cavani is, is 100%, oh, they'll give France everything they can handle. If you don't have Cavani there, that's just one less weapon Uruguay has in a team that frankly wants to win 1-0 usually. Now, can they shut out France? Yes. Will they shut out France with all those weapons? That seems unlikely. Now, full credit to Uruguay for the way they played against Portugal in terms of they played a great game. Absolutely deserved it. A 2-1, and that was a thrilling game. It really was. That was a good, just a good football game. Cavani was magical. I mean, if he's ready to go, look out. I mean, this guy, you know, I always talk a lot about overrated players at times because I, I do feel like in our day and age, Twitter, social media, the media in general, television, all that, I think players get blown out of proportion on some level because we're always looking for the next greatest thing. And I'm not talking about, like, Messi or Ronaldo or they've earned it, but I'm, I'm talking about all sports, right? I think people get overrated, even great players. But you you could you could argue Edinson Cavani is the most underrated player in the world. And I don't talk much about that type of player. But all the dude does is just show up and work his butt off and, oh, by the way, score big goals. I mean, that, he is amazing. So, I, you know, look, we could talk all day about that. I think Uruguay certainly, if they have him and he's ready to go at 100%, I mean, look out. But it's a fabulous matchup, absolutely thrilling matchup. A couple of these in that bracket there. Uruguay, France, and Brazil, Belgium tomorrow. I mean, does it get better than that? I mean, this World Cup has just been so good. Can it even get better? And then Sweden, England, it's like a battle of just that immovable Swedish force against England, a team that's kind of starting to feel it. Like, if you can get by PKs, if you're England, and all that history, 
they're starting to feel really good about themselves. And oh, by the way, the second game tomorrow, or I'm sorry, Saturday, Russia the hosts against Croatia. That I mean, this World Cup is ridiculous. Can it be going to the absolute absurd? Can it still get better? I mean, that just seems like almost impossible. And yet, as you look at these matchups, you're like, whoa, it's possible. It is possible. But, man, we will continue to break these matchups down further as we go along throughout the show. Coming up, Mike Trudell will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Of course, the host here of Soccer Tonight with me throughout most of this. He's been uh, doing some work for the Lakers. He is ready to go at the bottom of the hour. Coming up next, I mean, this is going to be a great time. We are going to be talking with a U.S. men's national team legend and a really good guy who knows his stuff. And I can't I can't wait to get a, a feel for what he's thinking about this World Cup. It's the great Eric Winalda. He's coming up next. I am Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Tonight. And uh, we're just going to be rolling on at 877-710-ESPN, 877-710-3776. Or hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Uh, we do have a tweet coming in that says, No Edinson Cavani for uh, Uruguay tomorrow. So you know, he's likely out, according to ESPN. That uh, That is what it looks like, that he's going to, uh, in all likelihood, miss that game. And that's, again, the latest uh, from ESPN.com, ESPNFC, if you want to go there and check it out. Yeah. If they had him, is what I'm saying. That would have been. I think they beat. I think they do beat France if Cavani's healthy. But if he's likely out with that calf injury, it flips the switch. It flips the script completely for Uruguay, and I just think they're going to end up falling short. We'll continue to break it down, and uh, we'll uh, take a look at that game even you know in more in depth. Of course, everybody's in love with Mbappe right now. Why wouldn't you be? No doubt about that. Uh, plenty still to get to. I love talking about Uruguay and France and then Brazil, of course, and Belgium on tomorrow's games. This is Soccer Tonight. Coming up next, he is the great Eric Winalda, former U.S. men's national team star and all-around good guy. Love talking to Eric about football. He is coming up next on Soccer Tonight. I am Dave Denholm, and you are listening to the home of world football here in Southern California. It's ESPN LA 710. Soccer Tonight, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm hanging out with you here on the home of world football in Southern California. Pleased as could be to be talking to this man, former U.S. men's national team great, and always a pleasure to talk soccer with Eric Winalda. Eric, thanks so much for taking the time and joining us, buddy. All right, no problem. Sorry about last week. Things just got a little crazy and uh, couldn't figure it out. But No uh, worries. It's great to talk to you now because it's gotten even crazier since then yeah. with this World Cup. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts, Eric, there's been a lot of talk about, oh, greatest World Cup. I don't care about that. I just want to see great games throughout, and it seems as if we have seen it right from the jump in this World Cup. I think a lot of people are gravitating to the to the fact that you know no Spain, no Portugal, no Argentina, yeah. no Germany, uh, Italy, and the Netherlands didn't even make it uh, to this this stage. And, and there was a lot of speculation of you know how would we all react to the fact that the U.S. wasn't even going to participate? What did we screw up? Right? I mean, this would have been the World <laughs> Cup to, to be a part of, but. Um, no, it's been good. I, I've I've enjoyed it. Um, not working the World Cup for the first time in a long time, so home with the family and enjoying the games and and the banter. To be honest, it's been great. Eric, what does it feel like to play in a World Cup? Well, it's um, it can be extremely overwhelming. Uh, as a young kid, you know, I'm not proud of it, but I got red carded out of my first ever World Cup game at the 53rd minute. I, mm-hmm. I, I went to war. <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah control my emotions and uh it 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 is a very daunting feeling when you feel unprepared and that's that's how i felt in 90 
94 was just a celebration. What what you what you realize in a World Cup is that with all that pressure and and all the the expectations, whether they're, they're high or low, or it's just let's just go out there and give it a go. When the, the teams that embrace the party of the World Cup and they they enjoy it, uh, and they they always have the, the most success. It's the ones that that, that really overthink it that usually end up shooting themselves in the, in the foot on, on most scenarios. But um, I, I think the feeling that you have, and I, got, I was very fortunate. I played in 94, so I, I was 43 miles from my all my friends and family oh, at, at the Rose Bowl when we beat Columbia. So it was, uh, that was surreal. I mean, because you're, you're, you know, you're playing against one of the better teams in the world and you beat them. And um, you really don't, the reaction to that is probably more important than the actual action of it. But, uh, it's a, it's supposed to be a party, and with the players that, or the teams that embrace that that party atmosphere, and you know, stay true to themselves and enjoy it, usually give us their best football. I want to say honestly, thank you because, and I've said this to a couple of the '94 guys along the way. It's what captivated me to get into soccer. It was the you guys' performance in the '94 World Cup. The bottom line, I, I didn't know anything about the game really till then, and then I realized that a professional league was coming along, and I like pro sports, so. The '94 World Cup was everything to me, and it just made it just it just reiterates itself every time the World Cup comes along, Eric. And I, I want to point to one game that I think it, it kind of leads me into the next question. My favorite game so far has been the Belgium Japan game because of Japan. Now, obviously, Belgium was great, and that was an amazing goal, an amazing game that they played coming back from two 0 down. But I love what Japan did, Eric. And I know we've talked about it briefly in the past. They came out and realized, look, we're not going to win one nil. There's no point in yeah. that, and it's not us. Let's go play, and if they beat us, you know, shake their hands afterward, but make them go out and play the best game they can play, and Japan took it to them. I, never, I haven't seen a guy play better than Shinji Kagawa has in this right. tournament. Higuchi wasn't bad either. I, I oh. thought that when it's a great point you're making, and it's something that people can't, you know, get over caught up in the, in the idea that, oh, can you believe they lost the way that they lost? Uh, you know, if you go back and you watch that game, right, and, and, and let's give Japan a ton of credit mm-hmm. for going for it. But the way that they lost, if this is where we get over-analytical. We're going to say, oh, but they should have been smart. They should have done what Russia did. They should have taken the tie and then gotten into the extra time and see what they can make out of that, maybe go to penalties. No, they stayed true to themselves. That's the beauty of this game. Yep. They, they got beat in eight seconds. It went from Courtois uh, to De Bruyne. It got wide. Lukaku is the, and, and Xavi puts it away. And, and you say to yourself, oh, my God, horrible coaching. And, and everybody wants to get all you know, critical of, of Japan. Japan gave it a go. They, they, and to your point, that was one of the better games. It was the more exciting games because they didn't bore us with their anti-football. They, they didn't park a bus. They went out and played. And, you know, I, I think as, as a nice player, as someone who loved the game, uh, you have more respect for that than any. I have more respect for what Japan tried to do than what Russia has accomplished, if that makes any sense. Amen. No, I, I have no disagreement with that. The only caveat I would say with Russia is if you're going to do that, Spain might be the one team you have to do that against just in the way yeah, that they play. <laughs> So true. Yeah. So true. They came out of the gates, you know, a ton of goals, but then they re- they realized, okay, all right, we, yeah. <laughs> we figured out how to, to, you know, beat Saudi Arabia. Now we now we have a real opponent, um, and good for them, you know, because to my point previously, 
it's, in a World Cup, it's 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 almost it's imperative that the home or the host nation does well and keeps the party going. Yes. Everybody was a great feeling, a great vibe in Russia. The final eight, fantastic success story. They'll probably bow out to Croatia, which is fine. Which is fine if they give it a go. Terrific, but I, I expect Croatia to get past them. Yeah, and you know it's a good point. If they give it a go, I don't think they will play quite like they did against Spain. That's just the perfect style against Spain sometimes, yeah. just to frust- you know, let them frustrate themselves. What about the assessment of El Tree, Eric? It was such a, a weird World Cup for Mexico in a lot of ways because it started so great, great performances. Obviously kind of f- fell on the, you know, tripped on the banana peel against Sweden, who, by the way, it turns out is a pretty darn good team in and of themselves. And then you yeah. face Brazil, and, you know, I mean, I thought, I liked the way Mexico attacked Brazil. They needed a goal in the first 15 minutes. They just couldn't find it, and that was pretty much it. Brazil was going to win that game after that. What do you, what's your assessment of El Tri over the whole World Cup? Well, you use the word weird, and you're right. Osorio is weird. <laughs> the guy's all over the place. It, and, and we saw this in the Confederations Cup. Uh, we saw a couple of, of, of scenarios where he lost his composure pretty bad. But the, the pressures of that job in itself uh, of the manager of the Mexican national team yeah. are immense. And, and there's so many uh, factors that, that, that are influences. Is, you know, we saw what happened in the last World Cup um, with Vareta. Um, he, he lost his mind as well. It's, it's one of those things where I wish Mexico um, if, I wish Mexico would stay true to themselves all the time. All the time. Yes. When they, when they second-guess themselves and they try to say, "Oh, let's 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 see if we can, you know, tinker this a little bit. Let's let's try and throw them off tactically." No, just go out there and play with confidence. And then that's that's what we wanted to see out of Mexico. That's what we enjoy when 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 Mexico is playing against a team that they think they can beat. But they were just thrown off. They came out of the gates. They beat Germany, and they were like, "Okay, we're we're contenders." And then Australia went to work, and Australia started to switch this and to switch that, and then and it became. Oh my God, he's doing it again. Mm-hmm. So um, I was disappointed with them because I, I still think uh, there were some great performances in there. Cho was great, and you know, Brazil's a tough team to play against on, on all accounts. You know, you, you lose to them, you can you can bow out honorably, but um, still, it's a weird World Cup. Weird's the right word. I mean, it, it, that's exactly what it was for uh, uh, for Mexico. But then again, Dave, there's the one thing about Sweden. Everyone's forgetting this. How did Italy not even make it to this thing? Yeah, Sweden. Sweden knocked them out. Well, Sweden took took Germany all the way to the end, and and, you know the free kick from Kroos and all that. But the 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 truth is, what we're realizing is Sweden's a lot better than we thought they were. Yeah, and they actually got better after Larsen got hurt, which is weird. But uh, another another weird one. But that sometimes happens in this in this tournament. You have to deal with adversity. How does the how does the guy that's stepping in for somebody else do? Does he connect with the rest of his teammates, and does he, you know, come up with a great performance? That's what we've seen out of Sweden. Sweden's a good team. They're, they they're, they're, are. I still think they're going to lose to England, but yeah. I, I, I still think they've been a great inclusion in this World Cup. If, I, if I'm England, I'm a little worried, though, that as crazy as it sounds, because I know he scored the goal against Switzerland and everybody, I don't think Forsberg's actually been at the height of his powers yet, ironically. Right. I think I think he's got more in him, in other words. like He's been a little bit tight, and he's a great player, and certainly he's had some good games. But I, if I'm England, I'm a little worried about that in a way. But you, you mentioned the English, and we're talking with the great Eric Winalda here, former U.S. men's national team player, uh, played in the World Cups for the U.S. Uh, you mentioned England. Boy, you know, everybody's talking brackets, Eric, and ooh, this is so much. 
I kind of feel like you got to beat good teams to get there and whatever. You know, it does, I don't even really care where a guy or a team ends up in the bracket, if I'm being honest, because if you start looking ahead, you're going to get dumped out anyway. And, you know, everybody's like, oh, Brazil, Belgium, this should be the final. Well, they better approach it like it's the final because one of them's going home. Uh, but this, this Sweden England matchup, if we dig a little deeper, to me, Sweden is the type of team, it's kind of exactly like Switzerland. It was kind of the two teams playing, they're hard to beat. If that makes, you know yeah. what I mean? Like they're not the greatest team. They're hard to beat. And when you're talking about knockout stage, sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. And they're, they're, they got great professionals. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I love it that their, their captain looks like he could, he could be on my men's league team, but <laughs> I, I, the, the whole team itself is a bunch of characters who understand their roles and they're, and they're, they're going to fight. Yeah. They are, they are Vikings and they're going to, they're going to prove it. Um, they're a little quicker than they've been in the past. Uh, I think to your point, Forsberg hasn't played particularly well, but that's that's actually an advantage to them. Mm-hmm. When you get three, four games into the into this competition, and one of your stars isn't playing well yet, that's actually like a guy that's playing baseball that's over three who's still yeah. a good hitter that, because you know, he knows you can't. He's gonna he's gonna have his day and he's gonna have his moment. Uh, so you have to be really cautious with that. You could say the same thing about Sterling, though. He hasn't been no, you're right been, uh, himself, and he's had a bad. Uh, a bad run of two games in a row where you're expecting more. I think Lingard has blew some plays in the last game, but I still think that both of these teams are poised to have their best performance, both teams. So that that might be, you're first talking about Belgium-Brazil, I think I think that Sweden-England game might be the off mm. the hook. Oh, I can't wait for it. It's always a pleasure to talk to this man. He is a former U.S. national team great. Eric Winalda. Eric, thanks so much for taking the time. It's flown by. Truly appreciate it, man. Always a pleasure to talk football with you. Oh, you bet, man. Love the show. Keep it going. Thank you. The great Eric Winalda. Always appreciate his time, and uh, it's been fun talking to him about the World Cup. Some great insight, too, about actually playing in the World Cup, talking about getting the red card. That was fabulous stuff. And I'm looking forward to the Sweden-England match as much as he is. I really, really think that's an intriguing matchup. We will be breaking these down further coming up with the great Mike Trudell. I mean, it just doesn't stop here on Soccer Tonight. I'm Dave Denholm, and you are listening to ESPN LA 710. Soccer tonight rolling on here, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm hanging out with you till the top of the hour. Just a, a programming note, the next Soccer Tonight coming up on Tuesday. That is Tuesday coming up here on ESPN LA 710, Tuesday the 10th. That'll be, of course, after the first semifinal. So that night, oh, man, we are getting closer and closer. We are into the quarterfinals. Joining me now, the host of Soccer Tonight here, Mike Trudell. Mike, I do want to take you back a little bit, Mike. I got to get your thoughts because we didn't have a chance to talk about this game specifically on soccer tonight because we had an LAFC match that night. This the the performance by Colombia. I really felt like they took themselves out of the game early with just so much antics and being so ticked off at the referee, whether he was in control or not. That to me, they wasted about fifty minutes of that game, Mike. What's happening, Dave? Man, how you doing? The the, the soccer uh, talk tonight has been has been fun so far. I am. Happy to join you here in Vegas. Um, look, man, I saw your tweets for that game, and I yeah. could not have agreed more. And in fact, you were you were going back at Taylor Twelman, who was, uh, of course, here at ESPN, uh, who was basically trying to blame the ref uh, to some extent. And I could not have disagreed more. I thought the Colombian players, and I was very disappointed to see this because they were a favorite for both of us in the group stage. They were fun. Sure. They were loose. They were attacking. Their fans were amazing. I remember we, we praised them repeatedly. And I thought they were so cynical. Just, I mean, 
the word uh, the, some of the English players I, I'm trying to remember which one used the word uh, said they were the, it was the dirtiest performance he had seen John Stones for one yeah was it Stones that's right Stones said it was dirty and I and I was just I was I was getting upset and, and just rooting hardcore for England as it went into the second half because yeah. I just didn't understand why Colombia was playing that way uh, they they're better than that but it wasn't so it wasn't so much the flopping which is something that people like to put on soccer as if it doesn't happen. Uh, in a, in some other sports, uh, but it was it was really more just any chance they had to either complain or to take five minutes uh, getting away from a freak uh, to get an extra spike into a tackle, uh, yeah. an extra push, an extra elbow on the play, just over and over. And the only thing that I could think as to why they might be doing that is because of the stakes, and maybe they were just feeling the pressure and they were trying to find any extra edge, especially after England got the goal. But I was very disappointed in that, and, and I was thrilled uh, for the English players, too, uh, Dave, to, to sort of overcome the history of penalty shootout fails. Right? Amen. Just all of the pressure in the world of that country. And credit to all of those English players, man. But to your original point, yeah, I was very disappointed in Colombia. Yeah, it felt like, Mike, that because Hamas was out with the injury, we saw Hamas sitting in the stands there throughout that game going through the emotions like so many of his fellow countrymen and women were doing. It felt like they almost thought, we can't win without doing this stuff that would seem so weird and so small for a country like Colombia. I mean, they're just so good. And I said it with or without Hamas, they're every bit as good as England and could have won that game. I mean, obviously they, it was a one, one draw. They just, they lost focus. I, yeah, that was bitterly disappointing for me because I really thought Colombia should have been playing. Not that I wanted England to lose initially. And I changed, I didn't really care either way, but yeah, it was a very surprise, but we got to move on to the quarterfinals. And these are, Unbelievable matchups. I mean, I you know we know these matchups for days now, and yet now I'm still more stunned as we get closer to how good this World Cup has been and really could get better with these matchups, Mike. Yeah. So, so the last, I'm I'm definitely going to move on with you. The last point I wanted to make, though, that and why I was disappointed is that that the way that Columbia played is the way that you know those of us that are always trying to defend soccer on the world yeah. on the American stage are always trying to fight against, right? And, mm-hmm. and almost all of – none of the other games have been that way for the most part. It, it's been a bunch of, like, both teams attacking, uh, very little cheap stuff, not a lot of extracurriculars, you know, save for a few Neymar antics that you're going to get. It, it's really been a pretty clean World Cup, right? It, it's yeah. been a, a pretty um, optimistic World Cup, and that was the thing that bummed me out, Dave, uh, just to kind of put a bow No, I think that. that's, it's, it's a great yeah. way to put a bow on it because you're absolutely right. It's... Yeah, uh, but so for the for the quarterfinals, I guess just stick into the ones that are on tomorrow. So I, I saw a quote from Antoine Griezmann uh, in The Guardian, and it was this, quote, Uruguay will be like Atletico, said Griezmann this week. They will take their time, fall, go to the referee. We will have to get used to that because the match will be boring, and they will want to bring us into that, end quote. So, okay, so he, of course, plays for Atletico, and he knows that that's the way that Atletico likes to kind of frustrate you know, Barcelona or Real Madrid, you know, the, the, the teams that are the, the only really two teams that are that much better. <laughs> yeah. And they have to kind of play like that sometimes. And this is, it's a little bit of what I was worried about with, with uh, Uruguay and Portugal, except that Portugal, not as good overall, not as attacking, not as talented as France. And so if Uruguay takes that approach and is thinking, well, you know, the only real way for us to beat France is to, is to stay composed, uh, stay defensive, stay locked in. Uh, use that system with, you know, Oscar Tavares, who has that, uh, that has been there for a long time and organizes that team so well. That's the thing that I'm, as a, as a fan who wants to see a good game, is that I'm worried about, especially without Cavani. 
because with Cavani, they're able to be a little bit more attacking uh, or at least, you know, have somebody that can get on the end of balls. Like he had two beautiful goals, I thought, uh, mm-hmm. in the, against Portugal. And so that's the thing that I'm, I'm looking at is if France can break you know, Uruguay down enough and if they can create enough chances with special moments by Pogba and by Griezmann, if that's going to be enough against the Uruguay team that probably isn't going to be that ambitious, especially without Cavani. What do you think? I can't disagree that Cavani loss is big, without a doubt. It changes the game. It changes the, com- the complexion of it right from the jump. It forces Uruguay, into, at least mentally, I think, into into thinking differently about how they're going to approach France. You know, When you have the defense that Uruguay does, though, it makes it easier in that sense to kind of fall back on a Diego Godin and that defense. But I, I still think that's a recipe for disaster against France in the long run, Mike. I just... If you're Uruguay, look, you know, it is, it does hurt that Cavani's out, but you know what? Luis Suarez and the rest of those, they're pretty darn good too. Let's just go play. You got that defense behind you. Don't let France get comfortable on the football. You can, you can win this game by playing. You know, I really believe that because they did that against Portugal, like you said. Now I know Cavani is a massive loss, but so what? You got, you got, you got 22 other players on this roster that, Still want to move on. Go play. And I do yeah. think France is going to win because of the loss of Cavani. But I also think, you know what? If this is a three to two game, hey, just go slug each other and see who's standing at the end. That might be Uruguay's best bet. And if you're trying to win one nil, Mike, I think that's a recipe for disaster against France. Yeah, we've seen, actually, we've seen the teams that have tried to play like that for the most part not have great success in this mm-hmm. World Cup. And, you know, maybe part of the reason is that there are enough elite attacking players. Yes. That eventually, they're going to break that down. And yes. that's the one place where I look at, you know, Paul Pogba specifically. I don't care how organized you are. He can beat one, two players and then put a little chipped ball over the top easily. You know, he'll do that at least two or three times a game. And you only need one if that's the way that Uruguay is going to play. So I, I, too, will go with France. I mean, I, originally I had them in the semifinal against Brazil. Uh, I had, I think, Germany and Spain on the other side, like probably most people did. And, we could, of course, we know that's not going to happen. Uh, but I, I do I do look forward to France uh, having a chance to, to beat Uruguay. And then, you know, they'll draw really the best matchup uh, of this round, which is Brazil-Belgium, man. And, and boy, is that going to be a barn burner. And we will discuss that one coming up. We do have France moving on to take on the winner of Brazil-Belgium. He's Mike Trudell. We will have the winner for that match coming up here. I'm Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Tonight on ESPN LA 710. Oh, one of my favorite World Cup songs from the 1994, I believe, World Cup CD. James, I think, is the band there. Is, is that right, Mario? I believe that's uh, the band James. Yep, that's correct, Dave. Yes, great song there. Great tournament. This has been an incredible tournament, the 2018 World Cup in Russia. Mike Trudell and Dave Denholm hanging out with you here on Soccer Tonight, talking about it. Mike, we get right to Brazil, Belgium. Oh, man. I mean, this is just a fantastic matchup after what Belgium did, getting past Japan in maybe the game of the tournament for me. And, of course, Brazil yeah. with just an absolutely stellar performance, both offensively and defensively, against El Tri in taking down Mexico. Uh, these are two heavyweights. There's no two ways about it, Mike. This is going to be a, a great game, I suspect. So, but Belgium to me, Denholm is the team that next World Cup we're going to talk about, like we talked about the teams in this World Cup being Brazil, Germany, France, like the true heavyweights, not yeah. just the team that's kind of on the outside looking in. Which honestly, you know, it's just been this is the problem. It's been two years since the Euros. It's been four years since the last World Cup. And if we just look objectively at the the roster, 
Look at where the elite players on Belgium are playing. Look at what they did on their club teams. Look at their age. You know, look at their depth. Look at their fitness. They, they are absolutely elite. And to me, as somebody who picked Brazil to win, this would be the game that I'd be most scared about because they can beat you in so many ways. They've got, we've talked about it throughout this, uh, the show, Dave. They've got uh, terrific midfielders that can set you up uh, up front. They've got a world-class finishing striker in Lukaku with more strikers to come off the bench. They've got an elite world-class goalie. They're huge in the air with Company and Fellaini. Uh, they can come off the bench uh, with Chadley, who scored uh, last game. I mean, they, they just have so much to offer. Um, with all of that said, I'm still going with Brazil. Uh, they're, they're playing just a bit more cohesively, maybe, uh, than Belgium. And they, I think they've created more chances, even though Belgium has finished more chances. Part of that's because they've played against a couple of crap teams in their group. So that's yeah. my, my long uh, summary of it, uh, Denho. But I'm going to narrowly take Brazil and say maybe it's going to be a 2-1 game. Yeah, you know, that's, that's about where I'm living. And the reason is, and it's not often the kind of key player that people point to, but to me, this is about Alisson in goal for Brazil. He's going to make a couple of big saves. He's going to have to, bottom line. You're not going to hold down Belgium for 90 minutes. I don't care how good your defense is. And Brazil's defense has been great this tournament. It's one of the well, reasons I way, do believe. Casemiro, Casemiro's out through yellow card. I know. I know. And, you know, that's another that's thing that we got to talk about at some point. Maybe the, maybe the next time we do soccer tonight uh, in the 2022, this stupid carrying over the yellow cards forever Hate until, it. like, this. Awful. It's, it's awful. Worse. Just so stupid. And you know what? Over the years, Mike, FIFA has gotten a lot of rule changes absolutely right. You know, going to, to three points for a victory changed the game completely to, for the positive. Not allowing yourself to just kick the ball back to the keeper and having the keeper pick it up. It changed the game dramatically. They usually get rules and rule changes correct. This whole yellow card carryover is absurd. So, uh, yeah, they, they got to do something about like that. You can't get two yellows over 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 four games it's absurd I mean, so I, 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 if, if you want to do suspension at least make it like if you get four yellows in four games like yeah. fine you know if, if but like i mean i would even think three might be a yeah, little much three so I, I, I if you're if you're a maniac game. enough to get three you probably deserve to get, be held out of a game for the safety of everyone but you're right i mean two yellow cards in four like it doesn't it just no i'm sorry idiotic yeah it really yeah. is. And a lot of times, you know, Mike, you played the game. I really did. You know, you played at the college level. Sometimes you have to take a yellow card. It's not like you're Absolutely. being a jerk or a malicious or out to kill people or, you know, you're not Nigel DeYonging it out there. You just sometimes have to take a yellow for your team. And I think it's just ridiculous. Now, I'm not just blaming that, you know, the Casemiro thing. I mean, he's no worse or better than any other poor guy who's had to miss a game due to yellow. It's just a stupid rule. But yeah. it does highlight the fact that Casemiro will be out. And that is a big blow to that defense. I still think Alisson's going to make a couple of big saves. He's going to have to. Brazil wins this game. And I wouldn't be surprised with 2-1 at all. I think that's right on. That's that's pretty much right on target for these two teams. We look ahead, so, Mike, to the, to the uh, you know, not to look too far ahead, but we do have to talk about it at some level. That uh, The potential semifinal matchup there is just as thrilling, isn't it? I mean, ridiculous. France, Brazil? Yes. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's going to be super exciting. But hey, before I don't want to run out of time though. Before I get to gloat a little bit about you being dead because of trusting Switzerland, Switzerland. like an idiot. Hey, wait a minute now. You, wait a minute. I tried to help you out. My only point is you. this: Switzerland no, lost. No, no, Dave, just take the L. 
take the L. There's no point to be made. You rode Switzerland. You're, you're dead. I gave you five other teams, all of which won, <laughs> that you could have taken. Uh, I gave you Belgium. I gave you Brazil. I gave you France. I gave you Uruguay. And then I even picked Sweden to beat Switzerland. So I don't yes. want to hear it. Just can I, can I just say something here? I'm not no. going to – you're right. I'm dead. But I will say this. Switzerland lost to Switzerland. It was the worst matchup oh. for Switzerland in that round. It's the exact okay. same team. Sweden is okay. the new Switzerland. They are exactly the same. Okay. And they lost to like a, a carbon copy of themselves. They didn't know how to handle it. That's the bottom line. And Sweden was better. Make no mistake. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you they weren't. I, I actually think, and I, talk, I discussed this with Eric Winaldo a little bit ago, Mike. We haven't even seen that much out of Forsberg yet. And I think that's really scary for anybody playing Sweden, including England here in this semifinal matchup. I, I think Sweden's going to give England all they can handle here in this one. For sure, yeah, for sure. I, that there's a. I mean, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick England. Uh, I think that they have they have been the uh, the better all around side, and I really think that they can ride some momentum after having just burying the penalty kick ghosts. Yeah, uh, I think that's gonna have the whole camp uh, fired up. I think it makes them trust in their coach even more uh, in Gareth Southgate, who has been really the the main proponent of trying to switch their mentality to one of confidence. And so I I do uh, I do think that England's gonna win the game, uh, but it's not gonna be easy, man. And, and Scoring a goal on Sweden, uh, very difficult. Uh, I just, I, I have faith that they're going to be able to do it uh, based on that mentality. But you know, that's going to be a fun one too. It really is. And the last game here, uh, well, I got to say we can't sleep on this one either because Russia and Croatia. Obviously, there's some issue there. You know, there's certainly some tension there, no doubt. Croatia has looked good at times. I didn't think they played particularly well against Denmark because Denmark loves to play that game. You know, just kind of muck up the game. And uh, they both got, you know, just it was just an interesting game. Certainly not a great game with the two early goals. We th- maybe we expe- maybe I expected too much after the early goals in that Croatia-Denmark game. And certainly Croatia deserved to move on. But Subasic had some great saves in the PKs. If it goes to PKs again, holy cow, that dude had some wicked saves. I, I really like Croatia in this matchup, Mike. Is there a chance that the home side can get through this? Sure. No, th- there is. Uh, just, uh, this is a uh, this is a team that is playing with confidence. That's of course got the home crowd. Uh, that has some dangerous players. You know, that has some uh, some some ways to score even when they're not playing well. Uh, but I just think the magic runs out for them here. I, I think yeah. Croatia's better. I think the midfielders, uh, Modric and Rakitic, who weren't great against Denmark, I think they'll be better against Russia because Denmark has some players. You know, Christian Eriksen that could sort of that could rival that midfield of Croatia, and I just don't see. How Russia is going to be able to to you know be dangerous, except you know on set pieces and such, which you know they'll have a bit of an advantage. But yeah, man, I'm I'm going to take Croatia. I'm going with all the favorites uh, in you know in in this round, and I think that's what we're going to see. But Russia, we've slept on them long enough. I get, we have to give them enough credit that they could win this game. They are not a bad side at all. Yeah, but yeah, my pick is Croatia. Yeah, I think it comes down to what I felt about Alisson against a great Belgian offense. I think I think Akinfeev, who certainly has had a great World Cup and, and was no slouch in the penalty shootout for sure, I think Akinfeev has to have a monster game against Croatia here. couple of big saves early maybe because they're going to be under pressure. Croatia's feeling it. But the thing about Russia is, too, I, I think there's some some kind of weird, like in, in a sense, as crazy as it sounds to be the home side and to get this far, there's really no pressure on Russia. 
as crazy. You know, like even their fans yeah, are happy. Yeah, a little, it's a little house money. They, they definitely didn't deserve to beat Spain. Uh, they, I thought you know Spain was the better team. They had the ball the whole time. You know, yeah. I thought Russia's goal was kind of garbage. We argued about it with with the penalty that came on PK, and then of course Russia avoided what should have been a penalty in extra time. You know, before winning in the in the shootout. So I just think they're in that sense. You know, in terms of which team's going to create more chances, which is usually the way that I pick who's going to win a soccer game, because that's just the, the sure. best way, unless that team can't, unless that team just can't finish. And we know the Croatia can. So that's, that's why I'm going to go with them. Yeah. You know, but it's kind of like if Russia just comes out and plays and the crowd is behind them and they give it a good effort, even. And I'm not saying they can't win. You're right. They could. Absolutely. But their crowd is just going to cheer them off the field. You know, like, I mean, great job. Just you gave it your best and you went as far as you sure. could. I mean, yeah. They really are just kind of playing with house money. I think that's a good point. It's a good way to put it, certainly, as you are being in Vegas there. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good yeah. stuff there. Uh, I'll, I'll be here for at least a week uh, for the Lakers Summer League. And the, my, one of my, one of my pieces of advice, because I've been coming here for Summer League for 10 years, never go out and gamble on your first night, because if you lose your money, <laughs> you know, even, if it's, uh, even if it's 100 bucks, you, you know, it just kind of sours your feeling and your mood for the next one. So I, I want to keep my wallet as full as I can, at least for this first night. I'm just going to chill. You know, have a little dinner with a friend. You know, Good. call my wife. Just, just hang out first night. Okay, I don't want. I like that. Besides, you got to get up early for these games too, right? I mean, we got oh, Uruguay. You know, come on, seven a.m. Yeah. here. We got to get going. Look for entertainment purposes only. Once again, Mike and I choose France. We say Brazil's going to get by. I'm taking Sweden as the as the new Switzerland. Mike is taking England. Uh, you know, I can't I can't argue with that. That's going to be a great game. And we're both taking Croatia. Maybe with a slight, you know, maybe a little less convincing victory than other people think against the hosts, Russia. Mike, always a pleasure, man. Have fun in Vegas, brother. Good to talk to you, man. Take care. Uh, you too, Enjoy you the bet. Games. Uh, our last, our last two days of two games. I know it's up. so sad, but it's so great to talk on soccer tonight here on ESPN LA seven ten. Have a good one.